0: All right, so this morning we are starting a new series. It's called Life's Healing Choices, and uh, it's good. we're, we're going to be in this for, for four weeks, and you may have noticed a theme going on, something about choices uh, throughout this morning, and we're going to continue that. See, one of the great gifts that God has given to us is the power of choice, and it's incredible when we start to think about it because God is what's called, the omni- a lot of folks call it the omnis. He is om- omnipotent, which means that, that he has unlimited power. God is all-powerful. He is omnipresent. That means he be- has the unique ability to be everywhere at one time. He is omniscient. He is all-knowing. And that's outside of our parameters. We have this thing we call time. God is not constrained by time. He is outside of that. And and so this is an omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient being. With all this power, God did not need to give us the power of choice. And, in fact, many would say that if God existed at all, he would simply fix everything and be done with it rather than allow us to experience the consequences of our individual and our collective choices. But I tell you that God's love is too big for that. That he loves us too much to not give us choice. Because to love means that we have to be able to say yes or say no, otherwise it's not love. And God so loves us, he so loves you, that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. He sent him to this world not to condemn it but that through Jesus it might be saved. God's desire is that all would come to a saving knowledge of who he is. That's God's love. That's God's love. This quote from Stephen Covey always strikes me. It says, we are free to choose our actions, but we are not free to choose the consequences of our actions. And the truth is that God has given us this power of choosing. And it's a profound power. You know, I'm a recovering person. When I was drinking, I chose whether to drive after drinking or not. And I ended up with three DUIs before I was 21. As my addiction got worse, my ability to make healthy choices diminished, and and it went went away for the most part. But I was responsible for every single poor choice that I made. Eventually, though, it led me to a place of brokenness. It led me to a place where I was able to go, I can't do this anymore. I've done everything that I can think of, and it's not working. God, help me. Because God loved me, and I know I broke his heart, I know that he shed tears over some of the choices that I made, but I also know that he never let me go and that he guided me into different circumstances so that I could someday, and one day I did, come to him and say, I give up. I can't do this anymore. And so he put people in my life. He put a guy named Bob McKay, Biker Bob, Big Bob, he is this massive dude. Uh, cocaine addict, went into treatment, and I watched that happen. And then Jay Simmons, who Bob has passed, but Jay is still a friend of mine. We still are in contact. And he went into treatment, and I watched that happen. And so when it became my turn, when I reached the point where it's take yourself out or try and get some help, I had Bob McCabe, and I had Jay Simmons that God had put in my life so that he could show me a path that was there that I couldn't see. And I just went that way. And he opened that door, and it changed everything for me. And I don't think that's exclusive to me. I think that God is continuously putting people in our paths so that we can experience him, so that we can grow nearer to him, so that we can make good choices, and that we can get on the path that God has chosen for us. But hear this, God still gives us the freedom to choose. God still gives us the freedom to choose. The key for me in making better choices was this thing called humility. We've been talking about uh, being humble. When I'm humble, that's when I realize that I cannot be perfect, when I'm humble enough. And when I'm humble enough to realize that I cannot be righteous, my righteousness is as filthy rags uh, as the Scripture But I get Jesus' righteousness. And when when I'm humble, I can realize that. When I'm humble, I recognize that I cannot do everything, and I cannot be everything for everybody. When I'm humble, I realize that. And in that place, in that place, I can do this. I can get down on my knees, and I can go to God, and I can say, God, I can't, but you can. I can't, but you can. Now, some of you may have noticed that I'm less of a man than I used to be. <laughs> I'm not quite as bad. This is ho- hopefully is my last personal kind of story this morning. Uh, About eight weeks ago, I made a decision. I made a choice. See, I've been battling my weight for a long time. It's 15 to 20 years, and I've tried everything from milkshake diets to this to that to you name it. I've tried, but what I have not been able to do is relearn the role of food in my life. As I've gotten older, I need to relearn the role of food in my life. So now I'm going to Quick Weight Loss Center so that they can show me how to (laughs) relearn things that other people seem to already know so I started at 273 pounds coming out of off of a vacation and I'm 237 this morning and I know that if I continue to be humble enough to listen and to learn from people who know people who have walked this path my goal weight is 190 they, they're a little skeptical of that. They think that when I get to 200, I'm going to go, that's enough, you know, I, and either way is fine because what I'm learning is how to eat and how to, you know, what, what the role of food in my life is supposed to be, you know, and that's important, but it took, it, t- <laughs> it took getting so frustrated. Anybody ever get frustrated with your weight? Oh, it's so frustrating. You know, and, and why can't I? And all of that. those things that go through my mind, you know, and I finally reached a point where I said, okay, I give up. Who knows how to do this and let me do what they do? And it works. Crazy, I know. And I know this as well. I know it will be my choices that determine my consequences when it comes to weight loss and when it comes to other things in my life. So here's a truism. Good choices almost always lead to good consequences. Not always, sometimes stuff happens, but good choices almost always lead to good consequences. You know what bad choices lead to? Bad choices <laughs> almost always lead to bad consequences. It's a funny thing in, in our life, but it's just true, and and we spend so much time wanting what we want that we don't pay attention to the choice or the consequence. And And I'm here this morning to challenge us to rethink some of that stuff. One of the ministries that we're going to be launching soon we started the small group for leaders it's called celebrate recovery and and it focuses on healing choices and and I know that when I say recovery what do you think alcohol, alcohol and drug addiction i'm telling you that celebrate recovery yes that's a part of it but it's not even the main part of it it's about hurts habits and hang-ups. And so I wanted to take a few minutes this morning just to talk a little about what that is. So hurts. Hurts are things such as abandonment, uh, things such as being abused as a child or as an adult, and the repercussions of that because it disrupts our ability to have a a strong relationship with God and with others. Betrayal. Anybody in here been been betrayed? Don't raise your hand. But that sense of betrayal, can lead us away from healthy choices. Raised in a dysfunctional family system. Dysfunctional family systems do not historically make good choices, so so we learn how to make bad choices and we don't even know they're bad choices. And so Celebrate Recovery helps to deal with those things. Neglect, and even some of the really severe things like rape or molestation that happen in people's lives. Celebrate Recovery helps us to deal with those hurts. Habits tend to be unhealthy patterns that often start actually as a remedy. You know, this is where things like addiction are because alcohol, for me, started as a remedy and ended up being a problem. And so this is where that fits. But it's not just substances. It's not just uh, the addiction in that sense because other things get in the way. Other things become a habit. Bitterness. Having a critical spirit about everything. Those are habits that we developed, eating disorders, gossiping. I know that doesn't happen in this church. You ever been in a church where there's a prayer request? Oh, did you hear about Jimmy and Joey and what's going on in their life? We really need to pray for them. But let me tell you the story. (laughs) That's gossip. That's what we don't want to be doing in this place. But gossip is, is a habit that we develop, and it's not healthy. Unforgiveness, not being able to, 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 to learn to deal with, you know, all of us have those hurts that happen in our life, and we hang on to unforgiveness, and it hurts us, and, and we don't want to do that, so we need to make healthier choices when it comes to these things. Hang-ups are roadblocks that get between us and God's plan for us, things like anger. When we have anger issues and and so we just get mad about stuff and and of course when you get mad you react and when you react you do something dumb and then you feel bad about it, that's not healthy. And we want to make healing life's healing choices will take us in a different direction. But there's a whole bunch of things in our life that that really disrupt our relationship with God. Anxiety and worry, major depression, depression, need the need to control. I know again, that's not one of ours, but but But, you know, in in my life, I have had that need for, you know, I got to control every little thing. That's not healthy. Fear, lack of trust in others, lack of trust in God, people-pleasing, perfectionism, and more. There's so many hurts, habits, and hang-ups in our lives. And if we don't begin to look at what to do about those things and how to make different choices, you know what we're going to keep doing? The same thing and check what what's that what's that saying insanity. yeah keep doing the same thing over over and over expecting different results <laughs> it's a definition of insanity yet how many of us keep doing the same thing over and over thinking this time it's going to be different i have you know i've got to learn how to change that and celebrate recovery one of the reasons that we want that to want to be a resource for our community is that it reaches so broadly and, 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 and so please be in prayer about that. Because the question becomes how do I change from making unhealthy choices to making healthy choices? So that's going to be our focus for a few weeks. There's a process in Celebrate Recovery that, and I'm not going through this whole thing, this will be the only time you see this slide, but it's, it's all of you. You'll see a word up there that, that, that's pretty, pretty prevalent. But the first step is admitting that there's a prob- awareness, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. It's a reality choice, but if we're not aware, we're never going to do anything about it. Getting help, which is hope. That's, about, that's because Bob and, and Jay had gone to get help. I had hope that maybe what worked for them might work for me. And, and it did. Letting go, it's just about a commitment. That's letting go and, and allowing God to do things in my life. Coming clean, the housekeeping choice. I, I had a sponsor, he was kind of a jerk. He was an old uh, <laughs> Vietnam War veteran. Saved my life, but he was something of a jerk. I'd come to him with with an issue, and and uh, he'd say, Well, well, Mike, I'll tell you what. If you spend six months of the year trying to figure out what you need to work on, and six months of the year working on it, I don't think you have time to worry about with anybody else. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I come to him with something else. He said, Well, Mike, I'll tell you this. Even if you're 95 percent right, you're 5 percent wrong, and you know what? You need to be working on that 5 percent. He's a jerk. And he saved my life. He saved my life because he caught me from focusing on everything that I couldn't control to focusing on something that I could, my choices and my behavior. And that's all about, you know, making healthier choices. The housekeeping cho- choice, keeping my side of the street clean and letting you deal with yours, but i got to keep my side of the street clean. I'll help you if you want me to, but I'm going to keep my side of the street clean. Making changes. And we talk a lot about transformation. God is a God of power and transformation. And and he wants us to embrace that. Repairing relationships. You know, he wants us to be in relationship with one another and with him. And then maintaining momentum once we get to a place of healing to continue to grow and to become who he's called us to be. be. And then the last is, is something that they call recycling pain. What that is is, you know, all those deep, dark things. You guys have heard a lot of, I don't go into details about my story, but I will say some of the things that have happened because I know that I know that I know that by sharing the things I've been through, it connects me to to people at different points. God will take the stuff that we avoid and use it in powerful ways, and that's recycling pain. What was once painful now becomes a tool for God. So these are, this is a, a, a step-by-step plan. We're not going to, like I said, we're not going to go through all of that uh, over these next four weeks. So I wanted to get to the pa- all that to get to here. The passage of Scripture for this morning is out of Luke 24, and it's a familiar one to many of us. It's the disciples going to Emmaus because the first step to healthy choices is becoming aware. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing. So he asked them, hey, what's going on? What, what are you discussing with each other? What, what's happening? Why why, aren't you, why are you so downcast? What, what's the deal, Cleopas? Oh, wait. Well, that's how I see Jesus telling him. And one of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened in the past few days? What things? I don't know what you're talking about. You know the things about Jesus of Nazareth. You. Oh, wait, I don't know that it's you. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. They crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was to be the Messiah, the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it's the third day since all that took place. And some of the women went to the tomb early this morning, but they couldn't find his body. Somebody took his body. And they came and told us they had a vision of angels who told them that he was actually still alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just like the women said, but they did not see Jesus. And then Jesus said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And then with that, he began to open to them the scriptures from Moses through all the prophets. And Jesus uh, uh, was going to continue to go after he did that. But they asked him, Please stay with us. Stay with us and have a meal with us. So he went in to stay with them and they had communion this is why communion is such a powerful moment for us. When he was at the table, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. You see, it's a truism in life that if we're not aware of something, then we will not do anything about it. If we're not aware, we can't do anything about it. And that's whether it's a good thing, a bad thing, or an indifferent thing. For Cleopas and his friend, they were just out and headed to Emmaus. They were bummed out. We don't know why they were going to Emmaus. We don't know if they lived there. We don't know if they had a place to go. We didn't know any of their plans. Then Jesus showed up, but they remained unaware. And that is so true for us, isn't it? That is so true for us. We're bebopping along just living life, going about our business, going from place to place, being Christians and followers just like Cleopas was, headed to Emmaus or Walmart or Target or Publix or, or, or the Mall of Georgia or Lanier Islands Water Park or wherever we're going, we're bebopping along. We're just living the dream, right? And we're just being Christians, doing the deal. And then the breaking of the bread comes, and the Holy Spirit opens our eyes, and the presence of the Lord is revealed to us. This is verse 31. Then their eyes were opened... They recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning as he was opening up the scriptures to us? Jesus showed up and that was a spiritual choice point for them. It was a spiritual choice point for them. This is when they have to decide whether to act or to ignore. Am I going to take an action, or am I going to ignore it? See, these are what I call spiritual nudges, and we get these every day when Jesus or the Holy Spirit kind of bumps into us and and puts a person in our head. You ever just be be bopping along, and then a person gets in your head, and you know that you're supposed to reach out to them, and you have a choice at that point. Am I going to follow what the Holy Spirit wants me to do and reach out to them, or am I going to ignore it and put it off and pretend like, oh, well, it doesn't really matter? Or somebody that we bump into on the street who starts a conversation with us randomly. Anybody ever have that happen to them? Just, hey, what's going on? The next thing you know, you're in the middle of a life story, you know, and you're like, huh? I really don't have. That's a divine appointment. That's a, that's a God nudge. That's a Holy Spirit nudge. Are we going to act or are we going to ignore when those moments come? That's our call. That's up to us. Cleopas and his friend acted When they became aware, they immediately changed their plans. I don't know if you noticed that, but they didn't continue on to Emmaus. They immediately changed their plans. They turned around, and they went to tell others what had happened. When God intervenes in our life, are we willing to immediately turn around and go and tell people what God is doing in our life? Are we willing to act? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem, where they found the eleven, and those with them assembled together and saying. It is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two, Cleopas and his friend, told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. The choice to tell others had another unintended and amazing consequence for them. They got to be there when Jesus showed up, because they took an action, because they didn't just keep bebopping along, going to Emmaus, because they turned around, because they went back, this happened, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace be with you, how cool would that be, if we're just, Jesus is kind of, peace be with you, Tammy, and you'd be like, whoa, you know? <laughs> they, were, they were startled and afraid. They, they thought they, you know, oh no, it's the Jesus ghost. It's the ghost of, of, Jesus, of Christmas <coughs> past. Yeah, yeah, not very past, but. <laughs> he said to them, Why are you troubled? Look at my hands, look at my feet. It's me. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he said this, he showed him his hands and his feet. It's beyond amazing. Cleopas and his friend going to Emmaus, you know, bebopping along. God shows up, opens up a a circumstance for them. They make a choice to act, and it changes everything for them, and then they get to be where Jesus was. Right? I should have found that that gif, right? Mind-blowing. It blows your mind. It's just amazing. So here's the, the other truism, and it's up here. Obedience to God is the way to blessing. Obedience to God is the way to blessing. And that's still true today. Obedience to God is still the way to, the way to blessing. When we listen and when we follow him, it, it leads us to blessing. Now, it may not be exactly the blessing we want, but it leads us to blessing. When we pay attention, we get to see Jesus around us all the time. We get to see the Holy Spirit move in, in and through and around and among us and it changes our perspective it has to when you encounter the living God you cannot come out of it unchanged you cannot come out of it unchanged and one of those changes is that we become more aware of ourselves and of others we become more aware of ourselves and others and that's the first step toward living a healthy life and it is amazing